your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. There we go. Welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Stop pushing buttons, Hayes. Hayes trying to sabotage the show again. I'm Rick Solom, 608-785-7914. My K's in the morning. Always trying to sabotage my shows, putting whoopee cushions in here. and He wipes them off first, but he puts them in here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, coming up on the show, Rob Abraham, lacrosse assistant police chief, is going to join us for most of the hour. And we can get into, uh, I, I, I really want to get into flamethrowers flame and parking. So other than that, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know how much we can get into, but definitely we are talking about flamethrowers. The Campbell Police Department busted uh, had a drug bust that included flamethrowers. So if you need to know where we're at as a society with being able to have flamethrowers, Rob Abraham is going to answer that question in about eight minutes. Uh, before I get to that, though, I, I did talk to you. So I'll set this up a little bit better. Uh, on Tuesday, the La Crosse County Health Department uh, came out, just posted on Facebook, just kind of like, hey, by the way, uh, that, that there was a reinfection. So somebody had tested positive for the virus recently, and that was a person that had tested positive for the virus three or more months ago. And that's all we know, and that's all they put. And they've canceled all their public briefings this week uh, on Monday they canceled it because of a National Guard testing site Wednesday they just canceled it didn't really say why except that they came out with a statement saying hey we're not going to update the COVID compass anymore and uh, we're going to do something else and that's all we know tomorrow the health department has a public briefing at 1130 a.m. it'll be on the WISM Facebook page so if you want to listen to that and if you have questions, I will try. If you if you post them in the comments on that Facebook Live video, I will do my best to try to remember that there are comments down there, and I will try to ask Jen Robalski and whomever else they have. Actually, I kind of know who they have on there. If you give me a minute, but who you know, the the other people that have to when they announce this COVID compass replacement, I'm guessing that's what they're going to do. They might just be like, "Hey, we didn't have a press briefing, so we gotta, we gotta, you know, have one at least once this week." Uh, Doctor Mueller from Mayo Health in Lacrosse, and Doctor Rath Grabber, Rath Rath Gabber from Gunderson, and Steve O'Malley from the Lacrosse County Administrator's Office. Those are the other three people that are going to be on this Zoom meeting, along with me and whoever else from the media. So if you yeah go on the the Wisdom Facebook page around eleven thirty and if you got questions for them, but I answered one of these questions with this reinfection. I talked to Doctor Al Debabna, the infectious disease specialist at Mayo Clinic Health System in La Crosse, just today. It's not up online yet because I'm busy and I got to write it up, but. So I talked to him about the virus and is this a reinfection? You know, how prevalent are reinfections? Does it happen a lot? And he said it's more like it's probably not a reinfection. He hasn't gotten his hands on it. He really wants to do that. But he said it's probably more of a relapse than a reinfection. And he talked about how the virus, and I might play this interview in its entirety tomorrow, and I'm just going to play a clip today. But he talked about how the infection is – it, it 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 spreads 
10 days after you get it. After that, it could actually hide in your body. And he talked about some places it can hide in the eyes. Viruses can hide in the eyes and the central nervous system, I believe. And he said it, the, the immune system can't really get at the virus there. So it could probably it could hide out, essentially. And he said it, it must it most likely hid in the body of this person. And then he tested positive again three or more months later. And, and he said, you know, like that's that's most likely what's what's happened. Reinfections are are, are not, it's not likely to have happened. And, and we talked about some other things. The problem here, too, and, and I just just came out and said it, you know, the problem is maybe we, we, we pay too much attention to the virus as a society. Any little news that comes out, and, and that's just, uh, I'm just going to play a little two-minute clip here of, of our interview, and, and that's kind of what I get into. So um, here, it might just be a little bit of repeating, but uh, here it is. Oh, wait, I got to turn the computer on. <laughs> All right, here we go. Everyone's paying so much attention to this that every bit of information comes out and then it's big news and you guys can't just quietly go about your business and finally, okay, now we have some answers. So you're absolutely right. Typically in the, in the scientific community, we're always getting new information and then we're always trying to incorporate that information and say, does that really change the way that I practice or does it really change the way that I manage patients? The hard thing for people to realize is that not all studies are created equal. Even in medicine, we always take case reports with a grain of salt. So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I found a case report that you should treat this infection with that antibiotic, I'd say, great. As just one study, one person, it's not going to really change my management. And then I'm going to wait for the gold standard of studies, which is a randomized control trial. So we're always kind of taking that into consideration. And I think that kind of gets lost when you're reporting all studies. And then the impression is all studies are created equal. Yeah. And while you're trying to do that, we get that same information. We're like, look, look what happened. Give me the clicks. No, no, absolutely. You know, I hear this from patients all the time. They're telling me, hey, you know, one day I'm listening and then people tell me the virus can live on a table for like seven days. And then the next day, the CDC is telling me that, uh, you know, you don't have to wipe down groceries. What gives? And really, it's what it boils down to is you will always find studies that report specific findings in a lab setting that's difficult to replicate in the real world. All right. So that was just a snippet of the interview I had. What was funny is, too, is I'm like, hey, I'm going to record this interview. I might want to play it on the on the air tomorrow. I didn't. He didn't have time and I didn't have time tomorrow to record that. And and then we got done talking, but I kept recording. I go, hey, thanks a lot, you know. And and we just, I said, yeah. So this relapse, so it's it's more likely. And then we we had a whole another ten minute conversation. So we had two ten minute conversations, and I'm I'm going to try to combine them, and because a lot of a lot of times the interview we have on the air is great, but the interview we have off the air afterwards, we're just kind of recapping, and I think the pressure is off a little bit. And the, the 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 idea that you're on the air, you're on radio, you're being recorded is is done, right? Okay, phew, I got it done. Thanks, you know, the loads off my back, and then the, the, and then you you can have a better conversation. So it's always good to just leave the recorder going. And I even told him, I go, hey, I'm I'm still recording, just so you know. I I, I let him know, and you're not going to hear that part if I play the interview tomorrow. This is a little behind the scenes. You're not going to hear that part because I'll cut it out. But I. I I think we had a, a better part of the conversation the second half of that. And that's the part you just heard here, too, is it was where the media is is grabbing 
you know, some of these headlines because, hey, reinfection. The county health department said reinfection, so we went with it. Like, whoa, there was a reinfection? Somebody got the virus twice? And and we post it, and then you, you, you finally get an expert online. He's like, ah, it's probably a relapse. So uh, that's kind of where we're at with a society. Everyone wants information out as fast as we can, it, not even just with the virus, but with everything. And then later you kind of go, oh, that's that's what happened. Uh, we even talked about that a little bit with with George Floyd. I think me and Libertarian guy were were arguing about that a little bit, and and then we see differently. We see two things totally different. Anyway, I'm rambling. I got I got to get got to get Brad through the news so that I can talk with Rob Abraham. He'll be up after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You got questions for Rob Abraham? You can text me six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. How's it going, Rob? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm. I'm great. Uh, assistant police chief. I should. I should add that the assistant police chief in the city of Lacrosse, Rob Abraham. You've been with the department like 57 years, something like that, right? Mm, July 30th was 30 years uh, law enforcement. 29 of them with the city of Lacrosse. Do you have uh, between you and your father? Right, your father was with the with. Was he with the city police or, or county? No, he was a city police detective. Between you two, how many years do you have? Do you know off the top of your head? Hmm, let's see. <clears throat> I think he had I think he had twenty twenty almost thirty years as well, so oh, going so, on close to sixty years between us. So you've eclipsed him. That's a that's landmark right there, huh? Do you did you did did you tell him that? Hey, I, I uh, surpassed you in years of in law enforcement. Uh, I just try to stick to surpassing you and knowledge but that uh that's always an ongoing battle with him um i don't want to i don't want to talk about masks a whole lot but i I, and i know you guys put out a statement and kind of the the walk the line statement hey i hope the i hope everyone's civil if you have a problem you know with somebody being you know rowdy about wearing a mask you can call us but you know we're not going to punish people and the da would punish people stuff like that but um, have you guys gotten a lot of calls and maybe just unnecessary, somewhat unnecessary calls when it comes to masks? Are you guys getting flooded with, hey, this person's not wearing a mask call? You know, uh, not that I'm aware of. You know, we do get daily briefings um, from from our shift commanders, and that hasn't been a topic that's been brought up. Um, so I, I don't think that we're getting unnecessarily inundated with um, with complaints about that. Oh, that's good. I, I feel like a, the, the term would be Karens. How many Karens are calling you about masks, essentially? <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, we're not, I haven't heard any, any grumblings or anything like that. So I, I just don't think that we're, we're experiencing any high volume of, of people, you know, really complaining about that or, or reporting that violation. That's, that's great, right? Like uh, people are being civilized about masks and not, and not bugging the police about it. It is. I, you know, I think it's um, probably a little bit of public shaming, too. You know, you kind of get a side eye if you forget to put your mask on. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Every once in a while, I'll have it in my pocket or something and walk in, and everyone looks at you like you're an alien growing uh, you know, horns out of your head, and then you remember why. Yeah, um, so I think, for the, I think for the most part, people, you know, have, have kind of accepted the fact you're, you know, trying to do the right thing. I mean, obviously, you, know, you don't want to be the one to infect someone. Um, and you know, I guess, you know, for, for right now, the, the best course of action is just to try to try to do your part. 
I've done this twice today, Rob. I, in this studio, I don't have to wear a mask, but when I walk out the door because other people are here, and I've done this twice where I've had to do a U-turn quick and like I throw my shirt over my face so that you know nobody yells at me. Uh, how many times do you do that? Do you walk out of your office into the you know general area of the police department and go, oh, and then turn around and, and go put your mask yeah. on or whatever? Yeah, you got to do a quick U-turn and, and go <laughs> grab it. And, but, you know, everybody, you know, has, we've been wearing masks for quite a while. Um, you know, we, we have had, uh, I think it's now up to five or five staff members that have uh, been confirmed. Um, so it, it's on our minds, you know, we, we would hate to see uh, it kind of run rampant through our our agency because <laughs> that would that would cause some, some serious issues. We wouldn't have to we would certainly have a, a very quick uh, unscientific exper- experiment about defunding the police if all of our officers went down and no one was there to to answer calls. Yeah, you'd be like the St. Louis Cardinals. They had like 13 people or more get the virus and then, you know, they're bringing up you do you have AAA guys you can bring up? What would you do if you had <laughs> if you had a whole bunch of officers go down? Would you ask I, Holman? I, don't, I honestly, you know, we would have to rely on on outside agencies, but we are, you know, the biggest agency and, and have the highest call volume. Um, so to expect, you know, everyone else to to pick up our call volume would be um, it would be a difficult process. We would have to rely on a lot of mutual aid. Yeah, you'd be like uh, Holman, on Alaska, Campbell, uh, maybe whoever else, West Salem. Uh, you guys, uh, we're, we're just forwarding the calls. Good luck. Right, and and you know they have their communities that they have to police, and the sheriff's department has you know their areas that they have to police. So it it would be you know I haven't heard any agencies, um, you know the, of course the bigger agencies, the New Yorks and and that you know they've had a lot, but when they when you have what you know forty thousand uh, police officers, um, they should probably be able to pick up the slack but you know when we when we were talking about this early on and, and having different scheduling plans you know it, it, the chief and i were, were fully prepared to to strap on the gear and go back out there and and stumble our way around it <laughs> yeah do you, is that a conversation you've had with surrounding police agencies or police stations the county sheriff maybe even uh hey just in case you know this is this is what would happen or will you just kind of run with it if it does happen you know, I think I think each agency was really kind of worried about how we were going to, you know, just try to prevent our officers from uh, and staff from from trying to contract contract it. So that's you know why we we have been early users of of the masks and you know we had device you know the UV devices and things of that nature already because you know a lot of people we come in contact with you know sometimes aren't clean um, and you know we're, we were constantly you know sanitizing our squad cars and, and trying to keep everything as clean as possible. Yeah. And I, I know how that feels. Cause I do that uh, when I leave the studio and it's just super, it's a one of another one of those U-turns I take, uh, or I did early on like, Oh, uh, I forgot to, to wipe down the microphone that I'm spitting on for, for an entire hour. <laughs> uh, speaking with assistant police chief, Rob Abraham of the city of lacrosse police department. Um, you guys, I, I feel like you guys are getting picked on from a lot of different areas. And I think maybe we can, we can talk about that in the second half of the show, but you, you've posted now last week, you, you guys helped out and this is maybe more, maybe I should have the Campbell police department on to talk about this, but, uh, you guys were assisting them with a, with a big bust and you guys posted, I think yesterday about another, a two year long investigation, right? Into a, another di- drug bust. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that the one you're referring to is, is, a, is a fairly significant uh, drug bust that 
the Campbell Police Department, the La Crosse County Mag, and, and the La Crosse Police Department. We assisted towards the end there, mostly serving the search warrants and assisting with that. But that was, you know, a significant uh, amount of high-grade um, marijuana, candies, gummies, um, and then some some pretty high-level and serious weaponry also involved uh, with that. Yeah, now I, I talked about that early in the show. Just that that's the only thing we really want to talk about is there was what three or four AR fifteens and and then the flamethrower. Can we have a flamethrower, Rob, or do we need some kind of permit to have a flamethrower? I know they used to sell out on Amazon around Christmas time. We even had someone call in to the show a while ago and say, Hey, can I use a flamethrower to shovel my driveway? That would be kind of cool. You know, I, I'm not up to snuff on, on all the the flamethrower laws. It's just something we don't run across a lot, um, and I don't. I I didn't really get to see that that particular unit to know what it what its capabilities were. But you're right; there were at least two AR-15s and another rifle. And you know, I mean, there's always this debate back and forth. You know that you know marijuana is nothing, and 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 but apparently these drug dealers thought enough of. Um, their marijuana and probably the money that they were bringing in and the proceeds that they needed uh, AR-15s to protect that. So certainly there is is a high level of of risk involved when you're a, a drug dealer to that level, um, because typically what we see and, and you know we we had one earlier in the month where you, know, you get a drug deal that goes bad or somebody wants to rip rip a drug dealer. Um, that's when you have people walking through neighborhoods with uh, AK-47s and handguns and rattling off 30, 40 rounds, and it sounds like the 4th of July. And, you know, that that has happened here. That happened here within a month, and, and we're tracing that back to uh, likely a drug drug grip gone bad. Um, so, you know, there are certainly risks involved in all drugs, and marijuana included. I don't want to get on a tangent because I know that everybody is, is uh, kind of spread out, spread on that as far as supporting it and, and against it. And personally, you know, you know I, I weighed in, you know, last time and just said, you know, I wish the feds would just deal with this once and, once and for all or the state because it, it's just, it puts police in, in a bad situation when we have to police boundaries. You know, if, if you're on one side of the state line, it's legal. You're on the other side of the state line, it's illegal. I, I hate laws of boundaries, I call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we if we just legalize it, or yeah, just a sweeping a sweeping rule on on all of that kind of we, ha- we do. We, I mean, even even with guns, right? We have we don't have a sweeping rule with guns either. Um, were those guys illegally holding AR-15s? Do you know? I know this was a Campbell thing that you guys helped on helped out on. I I can't remember if that was uh, if they were felons because, uh, as you know, felons can't can't produce or pro- have weapons in their possession. Um, I think at least one, I, I'm not certain, so you, you can't quote me on it. I think one of them was a felon. Um, but certainly there are laws about, you know, having weapons and dealing drugs together um, and that being, you know, illegal as well. Um, and then you had another, you, ju- you guys posted this yesterday, another just kind of like a sweeping uh, area of burglaries that have happened. I think was there twelve or more, uh, and and that was another joint investigation amongst uh, Campbell, you guys on Alaska, where where you nabbed some guys that were just stealing stuff from all over the place. Yeah, that was you know some good police work done by a lot of um, investigators, the investigators from the Alaska Police Department, the Campbell investigator, and, and one of our investigators. And when they started comparing notes, um, you know, one of our investigators. 
uh, was able to put a few pieces of the puzzle together, which I think brought together the ability for us to, to get a search warrant. And based on that, um, you know, they, they did find um, basically the entire loot or, you know, uh, an apartment that was just full of, of burglaries and thefts that had taken place all around our community. And, um, you know, two people ended up confessing to that, and we recovered a, a ton of stolen property. Those are cases that are, are kind of hard to put together, and, and when we do, you know, you can, you can, can clear up a ton of cases all at once. Uh, yeah, over that one night, um, they were hitting multiple properties, both in the city of La Crosse and the town of Campbell. Um, and you're right, there was about 12 or 13 burglaries in one night. Yeah, the map that you guys post is, is well, I don't know if it's funny, but it's it's peculiar because there's just here and here and here, and it's all over the city. And if right at the bottom of the, the, the write-up you guys have on your website, additionally, this investigation resulted in the recovery of four stolen vehicles. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, how do you manage that when you get all this stolen property? Is it really hard to f- try to find the owners for all this stuff? It used to be prior, I'm thinking back days prior to the internet, but I think, you know, with the prevalence of social media and the ability to get information and pictures out, I saw Campbell uh, PD had some pictures of some, some stuff that was unclaimed and, and we're looking for the owners. Um, it's fortunate. You know, I, the funny thing about, about this case, I, you know, not funny, um, my, dad's, my dad's house was one of the places that got broken into. And, and uh, when the investigator was, was going through the, the um, property at the apartment, he sent me a picture of a, a luggage tag that had my dad's name and address on it, and I, I just sent back and said, I think that's a clue. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, speaking with Rob Abraham, the assistant police chief at the La Crosse, City of La Crosse Police Department. Rob, we're going to break for news, so everyone that's listening, we're, uh, Scott's comment coming up, news. We'll be back with Rob after this. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, 608 785 7914. I'll try to read your texts. I've got a lot on the plate here and, and only a few minutes to get with Rob Abraham, the city of Lacrosse's assistant police chief. Rob, we do have two calls, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take these calls. Number three, who I believe is friends with your dad or at least knows your dad. Number three's calling in. Uh number three, you're on with Rob. Go ahead. Yeah, if you get hard up for help, you can always call Mike back. <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, if people want to see what policing used to be like and, and where defunding policing can go, we, we could do that experiment as well. Well, he's a, he's a quick learner, believe me. Anyway, <laughs> I want to touch base with you about the uh, incident one of your officers had at uh, Walgreen here a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I think by looking at the video, I think every... I think your officer handled that in a very professional manner. Okay. All right. Thanks, number three. Um, and we, we can get that. I, I want to get Carol on. She's waiting on hold, too, Rob, here. Uh, Carol, you're on with Rob. Go ahead. Hi, Rob. I'd like to just thank the police officers in this city. I worked at uh, several schools in La Crosse for six years, and the police were wonderful with the kids. I cannot understand why. They want to defund them. I mean, they should start thinking of Sandy Hook, number one. People are terrible when it comes to guns, and they have, they, they, some people just never learn. But, I mean, they're there in the schools to help the children and to keep them safe. 
So if you, if they want to defund the police, then we're going to go back to the old west where you shoot and ask questions later. That's not right. All right, thanks thanks for the call, Carol. Um, okay, so I, I wanted to get into this a little bit. The uh, you know you guys you guys actually meet on this, Rob, the Criminal Justice Management Council. I think you're at these meetings for the most part. Um, but there's been a couple of other meetings in, in town where the Neighborhood Revitalization Commission just met the earlier, was it this week? It might have been Monday. And uh, obviously the school board is talking about school resource officers, and they've been meeting and discussing that. You guys, is it hard to, uh, do? You, I don't know if you feel like you're being picked on, or how, how do you guys take all this when everyone, all these committees seem to be coming at you in, 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 in trying to, you know, essentially like, hey, do we need the police here and there? Yeah, I, it's it's real popular right now for everybody to take their kick at the cat, or as I refer to it, kick at the cop. Um, even though you know, I would like to point out that none of what's going on in this country has anything to do with the actions of the La Crosse Police Department. So, but with that said, you know, we're left to pick up the pieces, and and you're right. It seems like every. Um, committee or board uh, is all of a sudden an expert in law enforcement and law enforcement relations and whatnot. Um, and, you know, but it's not, it's not everybody on these boards. You know, there are certain, certain individuals who, in my opinion, have, have uh, you know, either a bone to pick or a personal agenda, um, a social agenda that they're trying to um, move forward and, and therefore, you know, using their positions on these boards to do that. You know, you brought up the Neighborhood Revitalization Committee. That's a committee that's funded and formed by the city to, to work on the city's plans to revitalize neighborhoods. And somehow, without inviting the chief of police or the, anyone at the La Crosse Police Department, they felt it was um, pertinent to put on, you know, a use of force discussion and... Um, talk about arrest data rates and things of that nature amongst their committee and whether or not they're going to take a stance on on the funding of law enforcement. It just seems it does seem odd that um, that just all of a sudden you know it, it seems to be the the hot uh, trend for you know people who are just kind of personal activists to to um, kind of lash out and, and see what what they what kind of traction they can get. Yeah, and I don't know exactly how that conversation comes up. You you talk about people having an agenda, so maybe somebody on that commission, you know, has it. You know, I'm going to bring this up at, at the meeting, and nobody else at the meeting knows that, and then they talk about it, or maybe everyone knows because it, maybe there maybe it's on the minutes agenda. I guess I didn't I didn't know I don't know I don't know that off the top of my head. But uh, the school board thing, kind of the same way, but. They, you talk about the Neighborhood Revitalization Commission. Uh, I, I believe somebody brought up what number three was talking about, that that Walgreens incident. And you guys released, uh, I think there were some Facebook videos that went around. And then you guys saw that a lot of public, a lot in the public were, were talking about, hey, the this, you know, the police are, uh, again, people are talking about it without actually talking to the police about what happened. And then you guys released release body cam video. Um I don't know. Have you have you done any? Did did you have to go and re review what the body cam video showed and the other videos and and talk to officers, or do you feel like that went okay? No, oh, of course we reviewed it. Um, you know, we saw it and we saw it kind of gaining traction. You know, once again, this was you know 
tiny little snippet of the entire interaction, which is which is why we, you know, released the body camera footage so everyone could see the entire interaction in its completeness. Um, we also, you know, had. Um, we also immediately asked the district attorney's office, the district attorney, to look at it and and see what they felt. You know, we we know that and, and felt that the use of force was appropriate. If if you think about, you know, on any traffic stop, everybody is seized and everybody is, you know, this armchair lawyer. You know, oh, you didn't have your lights on uh, 48 feet before I pulled over, so therefore this is null and void and and. and, and People try to come up with these things, and they, they don't even know what they're talking about. They don't know the law. And then this precipitates into, into these interactions. The fact of the matter is, when you watch that whole video, uh, a couple of the people immediately listened to the officer and immediately went back, and, and everything was fine. But one individual, you know, and, and you, it's hard to, to put yourself in the officer's um, shoes at that time and place at O Dark 30 when you got a car and a lot and everybody's getting on and trying to get away from it and leave it and were they, not listen to the officers. R- Rob, were they whistling yeah. as they left too? Like, <laughs> like were they like we're yeah. just casually yeah. leaving? <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, you know, we've you know we've we've covered these things before. I mean, and and my advice to anybody is if you think you're being wronged uh, by the police. Um, you know, just comply, because if there's no resistance, um, then there's no force used. And if you think that, you know, we illegally stopped you, illegally searched you, you know, violated your rights in any way, it's all going to be on recording, the officer's body camera, the officer's squad car cameras, and then and then get a lawyer, because there's plenty of them out there who, who make livings off of suing government agencies, police departments, cities, and and... And fight your battle that way. Um, you look at so many things that have gone wrong, gone wrong around the country, and and if you if you put those little perspectives that I just gave out into all those situations, the vast majority of them wouldn't happen. Uh, our officers, with a caveat that our officers are trained, uh, in my opinion, and I and I can prove it, better than a lot of officers around this country. I mean, there are different levels and quality of law enforcement officers when you look at some of the you know different states and what they pay police officers and the qualifications needed to become police officers um, there is a drastic and stark difference around this country and and i agree that that there are certain standards in certain states that that do have a tendency to to draw people who who probably wouldn't qualify to be police officers in wisconsin and certainly in the city of lacrosse um, and we're talking with Rob Abraham, the assistant police chief at uh, the city of lacrosse, the, the Walgreens incident. I'm glad that you guys released that stuff at, on a Saturday morning. I think it was pretty early in the morning. Cause then I saw it and, and, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to write up that, that morning uh, in the middle of the night, essentially. But, but what happened here, and I, maybe I should have explained it before is a, a car sped by, uh, I don't remember the, the Walgreens kind of on the, on the South side. And it was 1.15 in the morning. They were doing 38 and 25. They, they, they must have saw that they passed the cop and knew they were speeding. So they pulled in the Walgreens and all got out quick. Because if you get out quick, uh, you, you can't get a ticket for speeding. 
But the one lady that, that didn't comply, essentially, and come back to the car when the officer said, hey, can you everyone come back to the car because you're getting a speeding ticket and whether or not they want to argue, hey, you didn't turn your lights on or whatever. I don't. Um, the, the one lady that didn't comply and kind of, hey, I'm just going to Walgreens. I'm shopping. Uh, she had a felony bail jumping on her record. So, of course, she didn't want to. Uh, you know, get, get have any interaction with the police. But Rob, what I'll ask you, if she was in the backseat of that car that got pulled over for speeding and there was nothing else going on, they didn't smell like marijuana, the girl that was driving wasn't drinking, um, if she would have just sat quietly in the back of the car, would you guys have even known who she was if she just said, hey, I don't want to give you my ID, I don't want to identify myself? No, she would have had her seatbelt on, um, which only well, takes a second, and we, couldn't have, we went to know right away if she would have had it on or not. She had her seatbelt on. She went ahead to identify herself, would have sat there, just been quiet. We would, probably would have never talked to her again. You know, I mean, there's officers stop cars with multiple people in them. 90% of the interaction or more is with the officer and the driver. But under case law that has been clearly in the United States stated, you don't have the right to just walk away. Everybody at that time in that traffic stop is seized. Number one, for officer safety purposes. Uh, but number two, you know, we don't know why everybody, because if you can imagine a traffic stop, if at every traffic stop, people just, everybody in the car on everyone just got out and walked away. I mean, can you imagine, how do you, how do you control that? And how do you, how do you police that? Um, it's, it's just not logical. Yeah. And the courts have ruled, and the courts have ruled that way. So the officer was well within his rights. Um, we don't. He doesn't know what's going on at that particular point. He doesn't know why this person's insisting on on leaving the scene of a of a lawful traffic stop, and, and refusing orders. So yeah, and you just start to add up all these things, and and then and then you know the armchair quarterbacks come in the next day, um, and and tell us exactly what we did wrong and how it could have been done differently, um, and in the end, you know. You know, the DA said that everything that that officer did was appropriate, didn't see anything wrong with it. We didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, obviously, we would have loved for the person just to stay in the vehicle. That officer would have loved for the person just to stay in the vehicle, and it would have been handled like any traffic stop that happens all over um, without incident. We're speaking with Assistant Police Chief Rob Abraham. Just a couple of minutes, because I know you, you are you, you're going to a city council meeting, I believe, or something you said you had to get going. Um, I, yep. we, we earlier were we talking about a, a Campbell police bust where a flamethrower was apprehended as part of a drug bust along with some AR-15. So Rob, I texted Ken Gilliam, Hey, what's the deal with flamethrowers? Cause we got a text here from Bill. I, was it Bill? Yeah. He said, Rick, they sell flamethrowers at fleet farm in on Alaska or, or farm and fleet, uh, for burning grass in your driveway. So I, I texted Gilliam quick, the, the, the city of lacrosse's, uh, fire department chief. And he said, uh, I highly doubt fleet farm sells flamethrowers. And he goes, the fire chief of lacrosse. I don't know why he's speaking in third person, but he's, he is, uh, does not recommend flamethrowers for weeds nor machine guns for, for varmint control. Have a wonderful day and tell Rob. Hello. <laughs> so, so we uh, got the, to yeah. the bottom of that. <laughs> um, and I want to yeah, like, go I, ahead. I think there's a difference between like, you know, the military flamethrowers where they're shooting, you know, flames 40, 50 feet and, and the, the ones that he's referring to as far as, you know, doing 
controlled burns and stuff like that. So I, I didn't get a look at what that flamethrower looked like. So when you guys make that bust or where you help make that bust, Cam, does Campbell get to keep all that stuff? You can't go and, you know what, let me see this flamethrower. Let me play with it for a minute. You don't get to play with this stuff after uh, you, you apprehend it? Uh, we're more than happy to turn over the evidence to them because our evidence room is full already, and it's just more work uh, processing all those evidence and then taking it over to court. If, if as a law enforcement agency, you're able to, to, to share some of that work with a different law enforcement agency, you're more than happy to do so. Okay, so you're saying you, you can play with the flamethrower if you got it at your, uh, at your facility? Or- uh, I would probably, I would highly recommend against that. Okay, just I just wanted to make it clear that you're not you're not escaping the question here. Hey, Rob, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and I I read your cliff notes about parking, and I didn't even give you my half baked idea about getting rid of the parking jeeps and the and the civilians that work at the police force. Uh, that's a bad idea. That would be pandemonium if we just got rid of all the parking uh, police and just let anyone do whatever they want with parking. Well, according, I think you probably purposely ran that Scott Robert Shaw thing while I was on hold, so I could get fired up and listen to it. Oh, did he? Um, do that? I guess I didn't maybe, hear it either. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should ask Scott because apparently he's an expert in in parking. Uh, I didn't know that. I we could have just went directly with him to find out how we should do, to do parking, but that's a whole other topic, and I'm I'm willing to talk about that and the, and the study and and some of the things that came out of that um, study and the recommendations. Um, I'm a but, I'm a slow reader. It's 300 pages, so like maybe next month I, I try to get you guys on once a month. So maybe next month we can go over the parking thing because it'll take me a month to read 300 pages. Yeah, and, ha- <laughs> and have Scott read those pages too. All right, I'll tell him. All right, Rob, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. All right, see ya. Uh, Rob Abraham, Assistant Police Chief. All right, I got to get some breaks in here because I tried to go along with Rob. Uh, we'll be back after this. I'm with. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Lacrosse Talk PM. A couple minutes left in the show here. Uh, Eric from Sparta is on hold. I'm going to get to him in a second here. But uh, some of the texts are pretty funny in, in that uh, Bill Bill just said he was at Farm and Fleet. I think he was there right now. I think he's texting me from Farm and Fleet saying that they've got flamethrowers in stock. So if anyone wants to go get a flamethrower to, to do their yard work, uh, feel free to go over there. Bill, you didn't text me how much they were. I would like to know how much a flamethrower is going for. I guess I'm just going to... I'll probably go over there uh, after the show here and check it out. And um, somebody... In, in the middle of our conversation with Rob about flamethrowers, and the Campbell Police confiscated a flamethrower as part of a big drug bust, I texted Ken Gilliam on uh, his thoughts on, on flamethrowers. And he uh, first he doubted that there are flamethrowers at Farm and Fleet. But uh, apparently he's been proven wrong. But the fire chief, he says, uh, doesn't doesn't recommend flamethrowers for weeds nor machine guns for environment control. Um, somebody did text in and say, "Hey, we weren't AR-15s aren't machine guns." Um, but th- they're they're criticizing uh, the fire chief's text to me when the fire chief isn't listening to any of our conversation. He actually couldn't even be on the show this week because he's too busy. Today was kind of the plan to do that. Um, but, but he's not privy to any of the other conversations that we're having. So to, to get on him about, uh, about him making a joke about machines guns, cut him some slack, man. He's, he's just tech. He's nice enough to text me back and, and, and in doing so was pretty funny. So, all right. So that's, that's going to wrap up the show. Thanks a lot for everyone for listening.